Hello and welcome to a Wednesday, November 29th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. I'm your host, Horace, and I'm joined, as always, on Wednesdays by my guy, Ramiz, as we go through what happens to be the uh, smallest slate that we've been working on so far. I think we've gotten so used to it being 13 games, 12 games, 14 games, that uh, a seven-game slate almost seems like it's uh, it's light work, but Ramiz, that just leaves us with uh, a lot more contention to potentially talk about as far as uh, certain picks are concerned. Speaking of which, uh, how, how's, uh, how's Siakam doing in comparison to uh, Mikhail Bridges as of uh, as of last week? How are you feeling about that? Hey, man. Mikhail Bridges <laughs> had an extra five minutes of OT. He was already up. No, no, no. He was already up even before the OT. Don't give me that. Uh, give five minutes to Siakam, but he's dropping 60. <laughs> I think, well, he pretty much did. Look, the, the good thing is, and as I was saying on that previous podcast, is I expect both those guys to have really good nights, and uh, both of them ended up in kind of mid to high 50s. Bridges ended up in the 60s, but whatever. Point being, all of them were excellent picks as far as their price tags are concerned. And, you know, that 8,000 uh, range has been pretty good to me up until uh, a good part of this season. You know, it's allowed me to get uh, a number of high upside options and look into you know, a little bit more of a balanced lineup rather than going too heavily on the studs unless there's something that's just absolutely calling out to me. But really it just comes down to approach and how you go about taking these lineups. And the only way you can be up to date with all of the different approaches of all the DFS pros is to go on to sportsethos.com and get yourself subscribed to that DFS pass. It's nothing as far as monthly costs are concerned, it's just dirt cheap for all the value that you end up getting, not only with the Discord where you get access to the pros, you get access to our props on sportsethos.com, you get access to the DFS delivery, which I'm going to be writing for this uh, this day. So obviously just full of great content that you want to be able to jump onto, not to toot my own horn. Maybe I'll let Ramiz do that for me. But that does get right into a seven-game slate that is going to be gracing our Wednesday evening, the night after pretty much everyone gets decided as far as the in-season tournament is concerned. So we're going to have to see what that looks like since we're recording this on the evening before that. So always want to keep yourself up to date as far as injuries are concerned. But Ramiz, looking at seven games over here, looking at positions, we're jumping right into the point guard. Where is your head at as far as the point guard position is concerned on this seven-game slate? So in terms of the high superstar tier, of course, I usually like to take out one player who I really like. And from this whole slate, I'm liking De'Aaron Fox at 9,800. Coming off a monster night against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, And then he's going against the Clippers, who have been pretty inconsistent. They have been figuring things out. Of course, this loss against <laughs> the Denver Nuggets with the Yao Jokic and Joe Murray does not help their case. Uh, but overall, they, they've been getting better, right? Uh, but De'Aaron Fox, I mean, I just don't see a matchup for him to really struggle with. I mean, you're talking about Westbrook, Harden, Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, and Powell, I'm assuming, on the backcourt rotation. None of them are really good defenders or defenders I expect Fox to be stopped by. And on top of that, you're talking about playing in Sacramento. So I think uh, as long as Fox continues his duties, I mean, plays hopefully at a similar level to what he played against Minnesota, I think this will be one of those superstar nights uh, for Fox at 9,800. Uh, mid-tier-wise, I was I didn't find a solid mid-tier pick. I found a higher up, uh, upper echelon, I guess, I guess in Jordan Clarkson at 7,600. However, he is questionable. So if he does decide to play, I think he will have a stellar night. I think he's, you also picked him a few times, especially against Memphis. 
Uh, so I'm going to follow your footsteps and go against this matchup as well because he tends to really light it up. And similar to what I said about the Clippers, I mean, Memphis doesn't have defenders in the backcourt. I mean, they're missing a lot of players. Uh, I, their point guard rotation is John Gilliard and Derrick Rose. So I think Jordan Clarkson would definitely have an opportunity to just play his game and just have nobody stop him. But in the aspect, if he decides not to play, I'm going to go for his the, his backcourt partner and Keontae George at 6,100. Uh, just the guy I was looking at the last time, Jordan Clarkson didn't play. Keontae George's usage rate jumped up from 19% to 30%. And I'm hoping if, if it's not going to be around 30%, but if it's still around 25 to 26%, I think that's a solid game you can expect from Keontae George and just his playmaking ability. And on the budget side of things, uh, the guy who I decided to go with is Jose Alvarado at 4,200. Uh, but this, again, uh, CJ McCollum is questionable to return to this matchup against Philadelphia, so that's something to watch out for. But if CJ McCollum still doesn't play, Jose Alvarado at 4,200, a cheap budget pick, uh, a, a guy who can just fill up the stat line, a pretty solid stat line, nothing too crazy. But at 4,200, I think he'll be a pretty solid budget pick. I like it. I think there's a couple of ways to be able to kind of go about doing your start of the lineup, and you mentioned De'Aaron Fox as a pillar. I don't disagree. I think it's going to be a great night in general for what uh, what we're looking at as far as totals are concerned. And I mean, we've got a, a couple of them out there at the moment, and we're looking at the Clippers one, looking at a 2:30 total night with uh, Sacramento being in a uh, in a close fight here with you know, the Clippers favored to win by just one and a half. So definitely expecting a tight game all the way through. And I'm down with De'Aaron Fox, although I'm looking at the other side here. And you'll find that in general, there's quite a few Clipper options that I'm really liking for their price tags as far as we're seeing. And I'm only going to start off plain and simple with, with James Harden as a point guard at 7,800. It's just, like you said, the price tag is just too juicy for him not to be able to turn around. Now, as much as you know, we haven't really seen that explosion game out of him, those really have come in opportunities where he just needs to get his shot going. When we had those four games in a row where he was getting double-digit shot attempts, he was consistently finding himself in positions to be able to get high 30s, high 30s, low 40s as far as his uh, his DK points are concerned. So the minutes are clearly secure. What is uh, been a little bit kind of up and down has been his usage rate, which you know in that Denver game was pretty surprising that he played 36 minutes, only got seven field goal attempts in that, five of which were threes, and really was finding himself sitting off ball for a lot of that. And in my opinion, that really did lead a lot to uh, you know, a lot to desire as far as their playmaking was concerned, because Westbrook was running a lot of the, uh, a lot of the point guard duties in that game. And despite, you know, having a pretty good usage rate in 27 minutes there, I just don't necessarily fancy him over that. And I expect that the Clippers, as they start to uh, get everything figured out, are going to be going further into Harden, especially in a matchup where historically he's done super well and against Sacramento is actually one of his favorite opponents in general. I mean, we're going back to uh, not only uh, his Houston, but even last year as, as Philly, where he had, uh, I believe it was two triple doubles against them as well. So it's just been a, a good night to be able to go ahead and take uh, Harden against Sacramento from a mid tier slash value perspective over there. I'm continuing to really like Jaden Ivy on the uh, Detroit Pistons sitting at 5,700 over here has, especially with get once Killian Hayes had that initial injury in general, uh, Jaden Ivy has been the superior shot maker and just been able to play off of Kate Cunningham a lot more smoothly than Killian Hayes. Who's a bit of a, kind of, I wouldn't say negative on the offensive end, but at most he's an average offensive player while still offering some pretty decent defensive chops there. But you know, at this point, the Lakers who are one of the worst defensive teams in the league and really are, have been 
especially bad against uh, opposition point guards. Jaden Ivey, who's had uh, three straight games in which he's uh, shot well over 50% from the field. In fact, we're talking about closer to 60% on average in that time and averaging about uh, 34 DK points in that time. 5,700 is just a great opportunity for him to be able to go ahead and uh, keep that going because even if his field goal percentage isn't necessarily going to stay at the level that we're seeing it so far, we know that he does have the ability to be able to get to the line and uh, make that a bigger part of his game when his shot isn't necessarily falling. So I like him for uh, for his price tag. And then finally, uh, I know we were t- we've been talking about uh, you know what this uh, Philadelphia and or sorry what this Phoenix team uh, can potentially look like with uh, kind of what they've been having as far as a bit of an up and down season for what uh, you know they've been expected to do. Obviously, Bradley Beal still continues to be uh, out of it, but. What we have been seeing is Eric Gordon have one of the higher usage rates of his career, actually, in these last uh, in these last uh, couple of games now with uh, the Phoenix Suns. And in general, a consistent 13 to 14 shots a game guy, not to mention averaging about uh, seven three point attempts a game in that time as well. And despite the fact that, you know, he is very much kind of point scoring heavy, his fantasy value is going to be kind of heavily uh, relied upon him getting somewhere close to that 20 points a game. He's been able to do that more often than not, and and if it doesn't work out, he's still able to get about three to four assists alongside the odd uh, odd bunch of rebounds and steals to help make it out. So again, 5,900 kind of puts him in that range where uh, the upside is there for him to be able to take advantage of it. I expect Phoenix playing away, you know, in Toronto <laughs> tomorrow at that time is going to make it uh, a little bit more of a uh, of a closer game for them. And you know, Toronto's always a little bit peskier at home on there as well. So I'm hoping that Eric Gordon will get his opportunity to play 33, 34 minutes and take advantage of what could be a pretty decent matchup as far as he's concerned. And well, as far as unfortunately I'm going to have to see live, but we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. Uh, but what about uh, the shooting guard side of things for you? Where are you looking as far as that position is concerned? Shooting guards? Uh, I didn't really go too high on this category. Uh, I decided to just go straight to mid tier. I mean, starting off with another Sacramento King and Malik Monk. At 5,800, uh, just I like this kind of a pick because mainly because Keegan Murray is injured once again for this game, and I think someone's gonna have to step up his scoring absence, which is around 13 or 15 points per game. I'm not exactly sure, uh, but Malik Monk also at home. I mean, you can see his splits. He averages 30 DK fantasy points at home compared to the 24 on away games, and in this type of matchup, like I mentioned previously, uh, I think this will be a much more higher or higher scoring game than uh, Bet365 is talking about. So I think uh, Malik Monk and will have another uh, huge presence in this game, especially because last year, I don't know if you uh, remember, but this game went to double OT or triple OT mm. with 186 to 179. <laughs> and that's where I was like, damn, Monk and Fox were cooking. Uh, I mean, it'd be great for us fans to get another show like that. But in general, Malik Monk will have another great scoring night, in my opinion. And uh, just to piggyback off what you said, I put him in my shooting guard slot and Jaden Ivey at 5,700. Uh, I, uh, just to say, speak a bit more on him. I mean, I think they've definitely changed a few things because, of course, they're two and fourteen. So before Killian Hayes was starting with Asar and Kate Cunningham, uh, but they've changed things up and started Jaden Ivey and decided to just make Kate the primary uh, point. And therefore, Jaden Ivey. I mean, you've seen he's getting over thirty DK fantasy points, getting more, more points, a lot more usage. And at fifty-seven hundred in this Lakers-type matchup, uh, I really do like his price tag, and I think he has a lot of upside to it. And on the budget side of things, I don't think you can get any cheaper than this. And that's Jalen Noel at 3000 Uh, Just picked up the 10-day contract with the Memphis Grizzlies. Just played a few minutes, I believe, against that matchup. And, and uh, when they got blown out by the Timberwolves, I believe. And he still got 17 DK fantasy points. 
Uh, so I think this game will also be included in his 10-day contract. So as long as he gets a few minutes, we know Jalen Noel in his Minnesota Timberwolf days where he could score a few points and just have a, a sort of impact. And with the guard absence that they have, I mean, I don't see why he won't be able to get a huge opportunity, at least get some benefit, especially because he's only 3,000. Man, no, that's interesting. I hadn't really considered uh, Jalen Noel as part of it, so that's going to be something that I may have to potentially look at. Because on the other hand, I was going to the other side of this game where Desmond Bain was going to be one of my uh, favorite picks in general for this night. Uh, 8500 obviously a, a relatively expensive pick on here, but Utah has been a matchup that he has absolutely dominated. Uh, earlier, literally earlier this month when they had the home game in which uh, they unfortunately lost by six, he ended up on a 14 of 28 shooting point night 37 actual points, 62 DK points on that night where he went ahead and absolutely had a monster game against the uh, against uh, the uh, Utah Jazz over here. So just you know, not wanting to read you know, exceptionally much into a, a previous game, but in general, I've liked what uh, what Desmond Bain has had as far as opportunities are concerned, and for him who's had a couple of down games as far as his pure shooting is concerned. I think he's going to enjoy a matchup that he gets over here against a team that's not going to be as uh, defensively proficient as he's had to face in the last uh, couple of games over here. And in fact, the Utah Jazz have actually been allowing the most points uh, for any uh, for any other team against the uh, against shoot, opposing shooting guards. So you know, it's just one of those things where the uh, odds are working out well in Desmond Bain's favor, and I expect that he, we're going to have a, a big bounce-back game from him, even if he doesn't end up with an absolute monster night as he did the game before that. I feel it's a pretty uh, secure pick to be able to take in that uh, 8500 price range while having kind of room to grow if he can have the kind of games that we've been seeing uh, earlier in the season. Speaking of preying on weak defenses, though, uh, that's uh, this middle kind of 6,000 range over here is where I've got an interest in a, in a couple of guys to be able to take a look at. And uh, first and foremost, it's Cole Anthony, who has clearly taken over as that kind of first option kind of off the bench. And he is going to have his usage similar to how we see Jordan Clarkson for years as far as the Utah Jazz is concerned. Cole Anthony's taken on a similar role here with a lot more kind of ball handling responsibilities. Obviously, we saw that absolute explosion that he had against the Charlotte Hornets in the previous game where he ended up on 55 DK points on a 30 actual point night and you know, neared a triple double as far as his point production is concerned. And while I don't necessarily expect him to hit those highs there, what we are consistently seeing is that he has got a role of about 30 minutes absolutely secure. And against a team like Washington, which is just <laughs> the less said about their defense, the better. In fact, the less said about the team, the better. <laughs> the same. I'm not going for a pool party in this game if that's uh, if that's what you're asking ahead of time. So I'm expecting that Cole Anthony is going to be the guy uh, to absolutely go off on the other end uh, to be able to kind of take advantage of of that matchup. And uh, we haven't got the uh, the full totals for this game as of yet. When while I don't expect it to be super high on there. Washington in general has been just very generous as far as their defense is concerned. So the biggest thing is whether they can kind of keep the game close, which is my only real concern over here because Orlando has been just absolutely incredible. And especially at home, I expect this is going to be a pretty uh, simple victory here for them. But uh, as long as Cole Anthony can get close to 30 minutes, I really do like what he can do. And that uh, that same kind of hope of uh, what he can do extends to uh, me also liking um, uh, Jalen Green for his uh, price tag as well. And again, this kind of looks back to you know, how how healthy Denver is going to be, who's going to be on there. But more importantly for me, it's how well Jalen Green has been shooting over the last little bit, which is really you know, the only concern that you ever have with him because he has a tendency to go on kind of extended cold spells as far as his uh, shot is concerned. And that's where everything else kind of falls apart. 
but two straight games now in which he shot uh, over 50% from the field, has had 45 and 40 DK points in that night while uh, getting an average of uh, nearly 30 points a game in that time over there. So clearly the most important kind of offensive piece as far as I'm concerned, you know, Sangoon is the one who kind of makes everything happen, but that only really allows him that space to operate when someone like Jalen Green is giving him, uh, you know, that support from the perimeter. So for him to continue to do that, I think he's going to find himself in a pretty good spot. Obviously, he had a great game uh, against Denver the last time uh, they went went against that, which was at home. But this time they're going to be uh, in Denver itself, which presents its own kind of challenges, altitude and everything else that comes with it. But in general, if Jalen Green's hot, he's uh, one of those guys who can have kind of that spark plug night in a 6800. I think that's a risk you're willing to take at that uh, at that point. Small forwards, though, man, what are we uh, what are we looking at as far as small forwards are concerned? Uh, small forwards is interesting as well. Not too high on this one, but I did go for some uh, mid-6,000s in terms of Asar Thompson uh, against the Lakers. Uh, he has been struggling over these past few games, but we've also seen those great games we had early in the season where he was priced at around like above 7,000, which was crazy. But I think this type of matchup might be uh, maybe suiting him a lot more because it's going to be a kind of a, a gritty type match. I mean, the Lakers are always hit or miss, so they could, of course, have that blowout type win or they can make this game drag it out to the last minute of the game. And so I think Asar Thompson, this type of matchup, might have a lot more opportunity to be pesky, be a much more uh, aggressive, get a few steals, get a few blocks, just like he's been able to do early on in the season. And then second of all, I got Santi Aldama at 6,400. Uh, another player who I think you uh, mentioned previously as well uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, he obviously hasn't had those amazing nights, but I mean, his shot attempts continuously be around like 15 or 20. And if he's getting that amount of shots, I think he will have eventually a really solid game. And in this state, you got to have those type of players who kind of go above their mark. Of course, you're going for someone like a Jalen Green. And Santi Aldama, 6,400 is expensive, uh, but they're going to need some scoring, right? I mean, Desmond Bain can't be the only one scoring, uh, what, 40 points. You're still going to need like at least 60 to win against this team like Utah. And... On the cheaper side of things, I decided to go for Terrence Mann for the Clippers. That's... uh, a player who continuously starts, continuously gets a high amount of minutes. And in the Sacramento game, where I believe he might be needed to slow down a certain score, whether it's a Fox, whether it's a Monk, or, or just to help space the floor, uh, I think he will have a sort of impact. Nothing too crazy, but if he can get around 25 or 30 DK fantasy points, I think that's exactly what you expect from him. Because Terrence Mann is one of those players who you want to have where... You're putting him in your lineup if you're going for someone like De'Aaron Fox, you're going for someone like a Desmond Bain, then you're going to need these budget players to just reach their mark. And I think Terrence Mann in this type of matchup will be able to do that. I like it. You definitely took a little bit of my thunder over there because I had uh, both Osar and Aldama as guys to oh. mention on here. But hey, I, I like it. It means <laughs> that uh, we're thinking along the same lines as far as that's concerned, because beyond that, uh, as far as uh, small fours themselves are, themselves are concerned, I'd be then looking at uh, kind of more expensive options as far as uh, who I want to be able to take here. And really, for me, I'm keeping a, a big eye out on what uh, Jokic's kind of status is going to be for this game because I do expect this to be a good matchup as far as Michael Porter Jr. is concerned for him to be able to take on Houston at home where you know he, he already in Houston had a pretty decent game last time around but wasn't really needed to get kind of some of those ancillary stats that you would otherwise hope and for them uh, to be at home without potentially Jokic will likely put him in a position where the game will be a little bit closer than what we saw uh, last time around where Houston actually kind of 
embarrass them for what uh, what they did. Beat them by 19 in that game, which was a very shocking result for what uh, Houston ended up doing. But obviously, uh, you know, great for what uh, what the young team is kind of putting together in the last couple of games. So for them. I expect Michael Porter Jr., whose price tag is uh, kind of risen a little bit from uh, where it was in that nice 6,000 range. And really, his, it's not like his performances have necessarily necessitated that, that that price bump here. So I'm not a huge fan of the fact that it's up to 7,900. But what I do think is that it's going to lead to lower ownership for him in this slate. And people are going to be expecting that, uh, you know, I might uh, spend up a little bit more and go for someone like a Paul George or a Scotty Barnes or one of those guys instead, whereby uh, I think Michael Porter Jr., who has all the opportunity to be able to put up 20 plus shots in a game that could stay somewhat close, especially if Jokic is out. Uh, he could have uh, one of those explosion nights that we've seen at least uh, once or twice a month uh, kind of on a regular basis with him. So looking forward to being able to see that. On the power forward side, and I'll uh, I'll start on here. Really, as far as uh, I'm looking, and this is where that whole uh, Clippers love or bias or whatever. I don't like the Clippers in that sense, but from their <laughs> price tags, the bias of uh, liking what they have to offer on the slate is definitely coming through because I actually have two Clippers that I'm uh, focused on as far as power forwards are concerned. First is uh, starting all the way at the top, which is Kawhi Leonard at 8,000 over here in a matchup where, as you said, it's going to be uh, one of the higher points on the slate. Had an excellent night kind of coming into this, which helped uh, kind of turn back what was a, a pretty awful night that he had uh, the game before that against Dallas. So for him to turn it around against Denver at home, despite the uh, despite the loss, whatever you want to say, terrible loss, <laughs> he still ended up putting up 51 uh, DK points in that. And he's been pretty consistent around uh, being able to get into that kind of 40 plus mark. So for him to drop into this uh, 8000 mark, which is, you know, pretty much the, the lowest salary that he's been on all season, consistently been in that kind of mid 8,000s and sometimes even touching 9,000. I think we are in a position where you can really take advantage of a, a lot of upside as far as his, uh, his price tag is concerned. And of all those Clippers, I mean, Harden and Kawhi, if they can have good nights, this likely means that they're having good nights together, one, feed, one feeding the other. So, you know, it might be one of those situations where I find myself uh, getting a couple of Clippers together and hoping that they can kind of build off of, off of each other and the fact that it's on the last game of the night, that always is something that gets me a little happy. I like having that late, late night hammer, a little bit of exposure when everyone else uh, may potentially have their lineups done. It's just, it's nice to be able to move up instead of having to look up and be coming down from that side. <laughs> but as far as uh, budget is concerned as well, and this is, again, going to be if I decide to uh, go a little bit more heavy on uh, some of those uh, earlier uh, shooting guards that I spoke about, Nicholas Batum at 4,200 continues to be uh, a guy who's just getting minutes upon minutes. Uh, it's just because of his versatility as far as uh, the defensive side of things are concerned. Never going to be a high usage guy. He'll probably end up playing about 30 minutes, only shoot about six to seven times in that. But you're hoping that in that time that he gets to spend on the floor, he gets all those little stats that end up adding up, even if he's not necessarily putting up a, a double-digit scoring night. So if you can get six to seven rebounds, three to four assists, you'll usually chip in a block and a steal alongside that as well. It just ends up uh, adding up and getting him to a point where he should be able to pretty comfortably clear that uh, 4200 price tag. So I like him for his uh, for his upside for that uh, kind of bargain bargain range as far as his price is concerned. Well, you're not the only one because Nicholas Batum is also on my list in terms of the budget player. I mean, you spoke everything about him. I mean, getting the starting spot, I believe, 30 minutes, just being able to hit his catch and shoot threes, just get a few rebounds, assists. I mean, at 4,200, it's just cheapest you're going to get and the most upside pick you'll probably get in that area. But in terms of the 8,000 range, I was I, I was literally on this for like 15 to 20 minutes, just looking at Paolo, Kawhi, and Siakam. 
mainly because I think they all have pretty solid matchups. They're all in solid form. Uh, Kawhi obviously still had a rough. Uh, the Clippers lost, but still had a solid game against uh, Denver. Uh, Paolo, of course, Orlando on a seven-game winning streak. And going against Washington, he still probably might put up a solid performance. And then Pascal, uh, I just don't see any strong defenders to guard him in this type of matchup. Uh, but I ultimately decided to go for Pascal at 8,400. Uh, and that's mainly due to the fact that you talk about, uh, I think you mentioned the fact that this Orlando-Washington game, it might be a blowout for Orlando. Paolo might not get that same, uh, you know, that same production that he could be able to get in a close game. Uh, and in terms of Kawhi, the only reason I decided to choose Siakam over him is I think Siakam might have more of an edge in terms of playmaking, you know, having those duties and as well as having a lot more minutes because, well, the Raptors have been struggling and I think they've been going more so towards Siakam. Uh, early on, they started with Scotty having a lot more usage, but they've kind of reverted back to Siakam having most of the usage. So I think in this type of matchup as well, where he's going to be playing power forward, where he's going to be playing center, I think he has a lot more opportunity to build up his stats. And of course, I, I don't blame you for going for Kawhi because Kawhi is an amazing pick, but you also got to be wary that Paul George might have the better night of the two. And I think Siakam is much more of a better pick. Is this, is this another head-to-head brewing? That's all I'm kind of mm-hmm. getting out of this right here. So you're going to put your hat in again with Siakam? I mean, of even course. when he dropped 60, it wasn't enough to be able to outdo my bridges. So now do you really think that he's going to come up against the claw and be able to pull out that matchup? I guess we are running it back. I mean, if we if, if it's a playoff series, I'm up to nothing right now. So, you know, you got to you got to come back. It's otherwise, too low. Yeah, no, no one's got to come. No one comes back from a 3-0 deficit. We know that. So let's hope that uh, Siakam can have a big night over there. I, I think 8,400 is not a bad price tag for him. We'll have to see how uh, how Toronto does in that home matchup. Definitely need a little more momentum kind of going their side here. Moving forward to the centers, though, and this is where I really like the uh, the opportunities that we have over here to be able to get some of these mid-tier guys that can absolutely destroy their price tags. And for me, it's a trifecta. Trifecta of three guys, and I'll talk about them individually. You got Jalen Duran, Walker Kessler, and Ibiza Zubats. All of them in a position where they're just absolutely going to be able to just dominate their price tags. Jalen Duran, I'll start with. You know, 6900 has come back uh, from his uh, from his two weeks off injury and has looked like he hadn't lost a step, hadn't lost a minute, uh, didn't have uh, any sort of restrictions as far as his uh, minutes totals are concerned and has played uh, at least 29 minutes in each of the two games that he's played since he's come back and averaging 42 DK points in that night as w- in those times as well. So just an, an awesome opportunity for him to continue to rack up those double-doubles as he had been kind of throughout the season before he had that uh, that unfortunate injury for a little bit there. But looks good. Uh, continues to uh, be a, a bit of a blocking machine as well. He's uh, obviously racked up five in the last game. And I'm not necessarily expecting that once again, especially given the fact that he'll be taking on uh, Anthony Davis on the other end, which always is its own kind of difficulty as far as matchups are concerned. But what I like about Duran is that you don't necessarily need him to score big points for him to be able to go ahead and rack up his uh, his DK points. Because apart from the fact that he's averaging uh, nearly uh, 11 rebounds a game, it's the fact that he's been pretty sneaky as far as his uh, out-of-position assists are concerned as well. He can get anywhere between three to four, which he has been uh, pretty uh, pretty regularly, and that always adds up alongside his uh, previously mentioned blocking capability as well. So even though this is technically the most expensive he has been outside of uh, one game earlier on in the season when he uh, was coming off a absolute monster performance against Chicago, 
he's pretty much at that point where I think that he can get 40 on any given night uh, if he can have a, a 30 minutes uh, a 30 minutes game. So really, as long as Detroit can keep things close, which uh, you know the Lakers have not been great in general, and for them to uh, be in a position where they could potentially blow someone out away from home. I have my doubts about that. So I think Detroit uh, will be able to keep it close enough for uh, Duran to have a big night there. Uh, as far as uh, you know, Utah is concerned, we already know that, uh, you know, that Laurie Markkinen has been uh, ruled out for the game that's going to come up. And you know, he's in fact out for this, uh, this entire road trip that's here. So what that has allowed is Walker Kessler to get himself kind of back in, in the groove as far as not only his minutes total is concerned, but also just overall his usage. And, and we're seeing that over the last uh, couple of games now where he's uh, gotten himself into kind of a closer to double digits uh, field goal attempts and hasn't had a real dud game in that uh, his lowest still being 30.75 which would pretty much be at value of what we have now so you know if he can round himself back into the kind of form we were seeing and near the end of last season where he was just absolutely dominant i think utah is going to need that badly if they are to kind of get themselves back in the groove and especially with uh, with marketing out they're going to need his rebounding prowess as much as possible so that stays up at uh, at 5900 and then not uh, not wanting to go too too heavy on all, all the Clippers that we have over here, but you know, Zubats at uh, at 5500 is just yet another guy who's just absolutely solid as far as his his production is concerned. You know what you're going to get out of Zubats, which is as long as he can be in a in a position where he'll play even kind of mid 20s as far as his minutes are concerned, he's likely going to be somewhere close to a double double. And what he has over some of the other centers in this price uh, price point is a very solid offensive game. He's a guy who will be able to put up points in a hurry if he can get uh, if he can get a couple of those shots per minute. And in the last game we saw against Denver, played 32 minutes in that one, put up 15 field goal attempts and ended up on a 23 and 14 night. So even if he's not getting you 20 and 10, which we know he has the capability to do, I think a, a night that's uh, 15 and 10, uh, putting him in a position to be able to have a, a mid-30s night as far as DK points are concerned are not out of the uh, out of the norm for what I can expect out of him. And I like him at 5,500. I mean, those are some solid picks. I do have a, few, a good amount of centers as well because I do think there were some solid picks. You mentioned two of them, of course, Jalen Duran. Uh, just coming back and just doing exactly what he was doing before he got injured is just incredible, exactly what you want to see from him. And he will, he didn't have a minutes restriction, I believe, because uh, he was playing around 30 minutes. So unless that's his minutes restriction, that is a lot of minutes. And this matchup, like you said, you always have that question mark if the Lakers are going to be in form and just going to blow the Detroit Pistons. That could very well happen, but I do think Detroit will also make this game competitive. And Jalen Duran will be a huge part of that in trying to go against Anthony Davis and just trying to be that enforcer he's been this whole season. Uh, Walker Kessler, another guy you mentioned, I wasn't going to go towards him originally, but uh, Laurie Markkinen's injury does open up a lot more uh, minutes, I think, for, uh, what's his name, Walker Kessler. Of course, he was playing 21 to 26 minutes against the Pelicans, so you're hoping it increases each game, and especially this game where there is no marketing, you're probably going to need him a lot more in this matchup going against Jaron Jackson Jr. And just to rebound, get a few blocks, and uh, have another stellar performance like he's had these past two games. Uh, and I did go for an 8,500 pick in apparent Sengun. Uh, like you mentioned, you mentioned Jalen Green going against Denver and having solid nights. I'm talking about Sengun going against Detroit, uh, in, not Detroit, Denver. Uh, I mean, he's had an absolute amazing performance against Denver last game. And I think it also helps that, I mean, as amazing as Jokic is offensively, he's not a solid defensive player at all. And I think Sengun has always been able to take advantage of that in, in matchups like those, especially because if you talk about two matchups ago when he faced Golden State, 
He had another 60-point DK fantasy night. So in this type of performance, I do expect him to have another stellar performance, or possibly a repeat performance against Denver. And of course, it is a road game, so that does come with a question mark. But he's performed better on road games than he has on home games. Mm. And his just impact is just, have been pretty solid. I mean, if you're not getting the scoring out of him, best believe you're getting the assists, you're getting the rebounds. I mean, his impact has been huge. And I mean, perhaps we might be talking about perhaps this is a stretch, but maybe an all-star season. Uh, of course, it is the Western Conference, so it might be a lot tougher to make it in. Uh, but lastly, my budget pick, I decided to go for Trey Lyles at 4500 uh, a guy who has been filling in the shoes of Keegan Murray's absence. Uh, two performances around 20 DK fantasy points, getting around 12 points, 8 rebounds, uh, 9 points, 8 rebounds, something like that. And exactly what you want at 4,500, he will be needed because, like you mentioned, they got Zubash, they got Daniel Kaiser. You're going to need some big bodies and some bodies to perhaps just throw because, I mean, it might get, be a bit tough for a Sabonis to deal with Zubach. So they might need Trey Lyles to just add a more of an interior presence to bring some rebounding. So at 4,500, I think this will be a pretty solid pickup as well. No, I like it. I think there's a couple of those. I, I did have Sangoon in my uh, potential list over here as well. It really just comes down to kind of how my lineups are working out and just the way that I had a bunch of them earlier was a little bit more kind of guard focused rather than uh, having the money to be able to go into the center side of things. But hey, Sangoon is Sangoon, and I do think he's going to be an all-star this season. So Ooh. yeah, 100%. He's just, look, if Houston can keep themselves above 500 in that playoff contention, 100% he is going to be the representative for them in the uh, in, in the Western Conference side of things. Yeah, Jokic, Rudy Gobert, AD, Towns yeah. possibly. Yeah, Towns will be there. Though. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But that's where the wild card slot in the bench comes through and you know, where the coaching staff uh, got to come into it as well. Because, yeah, while there's been a decent amount of front courts, for instance, I don't think Jaron Jackson is going to get an opportunity to be in the All-Star game this year as he was oh, last year, given given the fact that, you know, Memphis is 14th in the West right now and playing absolutely <laughs> terribly. So let's see what that looks like as we get closer to it. But that is going to be another point of interest and something that we could potentially be talking about down the road. But that does bring us to the end of these seven games. And is that a lot of uh, potential decisions to be made over here? You'll notice that we didn't really spend too, too much time talking about some of these kind of 10,000 plus guys. You've got a uh, you know, Durant, you got Sabonis, you got Booker, Embiid, potentially Jokic. Like these are guys that you know, a lot of people do look to build their, uh, build their lineups around. And while they very well could be in a solid state, Sometimes you need a little bit more upside, and that's where we spent a bit of our time here today. But as always, love getting that engagement from you guys. Get on our Discord, get yourself subscribed, talk to the pros, and tell us who your pillars are going to be as far as this seven-game slate is concerned. You can hit me up, as always, on Twitter, Instagram, at HAK underscore Devil. Talk to me about who you think is going to be the victor in that Kawhi versus Pascal head-to-head matchup. I'm sure Ramiz is just biting on his nails, hoping that he can get back in to the uh, battle over here. But uh, Ramiz, where can the people find you to express their support for Siakam winning this head-to-head? Uh, they can hit me up at Twitter at 2Nice. That'll be spelled T-O-0 underscore nice underscore. And you hit me up because Pascal is going to have a great night. And we're also hoping Kawhi will as well. Yep. At the end of the day, we're trying to win you guys some money. There you go. That's exactly what it comes down to, trying to win you guys some of those GPPs. So definitely give us some of the results that you've been getting, what you have been kind of focusing on to be able to reach a level of success. But until then, we will catch you on the next one. So keep hitting us up on sportsethos.com, and I will see you next week.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.